0: And I invite you to hear these words from a little later in the second chapter of Luke. This is after Jesus was born. And after eight days had passed, it came time to circumcise the child. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, you now are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, a sword that will peace, pierce your own soul also. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God from long ago for God's people today. Thanks be to God. Would you be in prayer with me? Holy God, we come as your people looking for redemption, praying that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, that you would help us to find some peace this morning that we can take with us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, do you have any rituals in your life? Katie says, yes. What about you? Now, I made the kids come forward. I should make all the adults come up here, shouldn't I? Except there's not room, which is glorious. We have rituals in our lives. We have routines. We have rhythms. Christmas time is a time, perhaps, when we have more of those at home. We always put the tree up the day after Thanksgiving, perhaps or the day before Christmas, perhaps, depending on how your life goes. Or gradually during the Christmas, we put the tree up one day, and we put the lights on a day or two later, and then in the space between the rest of life, a few days later, we hang some of the balls on, and maybe some more of the balls, and then as Advent progresses, your Advent ritual is this progressive decorating of a tree. That happens in our house. It takes a little time, and we get it done over time because of what else fills the time. We have rituals. Do you have rituals in the morning when you get up? I don't know what yours are. I get up, I make a cup of coffee. Are you surprised? <laughs> and a and peanut butter toast, and a glass of orange juice, and a banana, and, and my vitamins. And I sit at the kitchen table with those at breakfast and some reading and a chess puzzle and the quiet. And that's my morning ritual. And when my mother comes to visit for Christmas, which is lovely, glad you came to see us, Mom. She watches frequently. She's up because she wants a cup of coffee also. And it messes up my ritual because she thinks it's polite to have a conversation (laughs) we have rituals don't we sure you do think about it you have rituals you have a ritual when you if you're still working when you arrive at the office there's things you kind of do to get settled in you have rituals when you show up at the gym to do your stuff the way you get settled in there you have a ritual when you get home at night you have a ritual to put your kids to bed at night this is what we do and and the experts would tell you if you don't have a ritual for your kids at night it helps for them to know you take a bath you read a book you do the thing you get a glass of water we're done go to bed (laughs) and they know how the rhythm goes Rhythm helps us find our way We have rituals in church Coming to church Is a routine Every Sunday at 9.30 You come to church Or 10 Or 11 or 8.15 Or whenever you come Or maybe you like to sample all the different ones Most of you as I look around have a particular time You usually come And when we change the time We don't like to have our routine messed up Do we? When we change the order of worship, we like to do that so that you pay attention. uh, Confession, good for the soul, right? Yeah, it helps us all pay attention when we change it a little bit. It's like, ooh, what's happening? Now I have to notice. Because the danger in ritual is that we stop noticing. Like, I don't notice how much I cherish that quiet time in the morning until someone is there trying to have a conversation with me during that time it's fine i'm glad my mom came i'm glad we had a conversation no 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 problem please don't don't misquote me well pete doesn't even like his mom (laughs) that's not it that's not it but when our rhythm gets interrupted we notice it more the whole advent season is an interruption of our rhythms we do different things in worship we light other candles, we, we, we have all these other there's poinsettias. there's different music. There, things are a little out of the ordinary, because Jesus coming is out of the ordinary. That was true for Simeon and Anna, even for Joseph and Mary, and for everybody else in this story we've been living with. This is out of the ordinary. Simeon and Anna hang out at the temple a lot, apparently. We don't quite know who Simeon is. He's some guy. He's devout. He's righteous. Apparently, he's a big deal. Somebody to be admired. He's a reliable source. I think Luke's trying to establish that we should pay attention to Simeon because he's he's all that, maybe, and a bag of chips. It wasn't that funny, Jill, but thank you. (laughs) That's generous Grace, grace abounds. It's lovely. Now, Simeon, Simeon's, Simeon, he's the deal. And here's, it's interesting. You might have missed it. You wouldn't have paid attention to it. Simeon's filled with the Holy Spirit. But wait, this is at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Pentecost hasn't happened yet. How can that be? Well, there are a couple of things. One, Luke is writing this after the fact. So as Luke is writing it, he... He's had the experience of Pentecost or he knows people that have had it or he's heard about it or however that works. That's a whole other Bible study. But there it is. So Luke knows about Pentecost. And so he knows something new and different about the Holy Spirit that we're gonna come to as we progress through our calendar year, through our ritual of the liturgical calendar. But here at the beginning of Luke, we get this hint, this acknowledgement that the Holy Spirit didn't start being with us on the day of Pentecost just that the Holy Spirit and our experience of the Holy Spirit maybe is different starting then the Holy Spirit is with Simeon before that so here's Simeon the Holy Spirit's with him and he's, he's devout and righteous and God has told him you're, before you die you're going to see the Messiah now for someone of Jewish faith the expectation that a Messiah would come is routine Someday there'll be a Messiah Isaiah Isaiah told us somebody's coming Other prophets told us somebody's going to happen There's going to be a day There's going to be a day I want you to notice something Simeon and Anna and the rest of these characters Are living in a place That is occupied By soldiers from Rome There are a lot of reasons They want things to be set to rights The concept of salvation, of restoration, looks different when things are that far out of kilter, that you have an invading military force telling you how it's going to be. Most of us would say no thank you to such a situation. And most of us, if we found ourselves in such a situation, would say, when will it end? When will, when will, when will things be set to rights? And Simeon has experienced this promise. Before the end of your life, you'll see the Savior. You'll see the Messiah. You'll see it come, or begin to come to rights. Now, he hangs out at the temple, he and Anna, and other people who work there. And it's a routine, ritual thing on the eighth day for parents to bring their child for naming. We heard about that story with John. Zechariah and Elizabeth bring John to the temple. He's named not Zechariah, but John. And there's amazement. And what's going on? And John's a big deal. And Zechariah gives us a speech about who John is going to be. And he's going to announce the... We talked about that story. And Zechariah is trying to figure it out and all of that. Now here comes Jesus. He's not named Joseph. You'd think his dad wouldn't name him after himself or he's of the line of David maybe we should call him David or Bill or some other family name but Jesus because the angel said so kind of like John a lot like John so on the eighth day Jesus is named and he comes the scripture is very nice about it (laughs) he comes to be circumcised because that's the ritual it's a routine thing to do this happens every day at the temple Children, just like us, children are born all the time whenever they finally get around to being born. And if you've ever been an expectant parent, you know, you don't know. These days, sometimes you know because of C-sections, and even then, sometimes children surprise us. But certainly in those days, children came when they got around to it all the time. And so it would be a daily occurrence, maybe several times a day, that parents would bring their child on the eighth day to be named, to be circumcised, to be blessed. So this happens, it's normal, it's routine. But Somehow Simeon notices that this one's different. Somehow, now he's full of the Holy Spirit. So is it that kind of semi-magical feeling, Holy Spirit poke? And Simeon's like, oh, this is the one, perhaps. Is it, Simeon lives in the area and has been paying attention? And there've been angels disrupting shepherds and shepherds, shepherds don't go places without their flock, folks. So for shepherds to come is a disruptive interruption from last week. Because they come with sheep. And if you've ever been around a gaggle of sheep, I'm sorry, a flock of sheep, it feels like a gaggle and they're all making their noise and they're doing their things and they're nosing around looking for grass to eat, whatever. Right, it's 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 not a, an orderly affair to have a flock of sheep visit you at your manger birth scene. So all of these events have been occurring. Perhaps Simeon's noticed. He saw it in his news feed. Right, he was looking on his phone. And said, "Oh look, shepherds came. What's going on? Hey, maybe that's the one wrapped in bands of cloth. That's the that's the we've been let's see today. So eight days will be on Tuesday. They'll be here." I don't know how Simeon knew, but Simeon knew. And in his ritual of showing up at the temple, Simeon was willing to pay attention to what was happening. That's the part I want you to catch. In the midst of the ritual which is so important because the routines and the ritual help us keep our feet on the ground. Whether it's as simple as the quiet morning start to the day, whether it's as simple as when I get home, I'm just like Mr. Rogers. I kick off my shoes and I put on my slippers and I change my jacket for a sweater and I recognize that I'm home now. And I can put down the cares of the day. Simeon notices in the middle of his ritual that something different is happening. And he gives us these words about who Jesus is. Because naming is more than naming. Naming is a reception of identity in this ritual. It's part of why children were so often named after a parent. That's why we thought John was gonna be Zechariah when he came to be named because he's part of the family and he gains his family name. That's part of his identity, except his identity is gonna be different. Jesus' identity is gonna be different. And Simeon helps us understand that with these words. That salvation has come. and He's come to be a light. And he's come to create some consternation perhaps, a sword that'll pierce Mary and Joseph's hearts and maybe ours as well, that helps people see what's real, that reveals our hearts, that opens this up. A couple of weeks ago when we talked about amazement, our study reflected on the idea that to be amazed, we have to be open to it. You can't be amazed if you got your eyes shut. You have to pay attention. But here's the risk in paying attention and being open to amazement. If you open yourself to amazement, which I recommend, you've opened yourself to everything else. We become a new creation in Christ. Paul writes about that. You've heard those words before. We we're being rearranged, changed, transformed. And that means sometimes wow, look at that and we're amazed and that can be as simple on Wednesday I sat on the floor at my mother-in-law's home and played spaceship with my 8 year old great niece Leora and we went to the moon and there was cheese of course there was and we ate cheese which looked a lot like styrofoam in little slices Yeah, did the whole thing and it was amazing and wonderful because here's this creative little person who's free to just be. And look at God working in her, that she's open to amazement in that way. So to be open to being amazed with her <laughs> about imagining going to the moon also means being open to the tenderness of the hurtful and hard parts of our lives. My great nephew Isaac. has just finished his fifth round of chemotherapy for leukemia. Now, he's doing well, and that's excellent. But no one who is 10 should have a favorite IV pole. Neither should anyone else, as far as that goes. So if you're open to one, you're open to the other. If we're open to amazement and joy, we're also open to heartbreak and loss and to injustices in our world. So there are places where there's war. There's places where there are climate troubles. There are places where there's domestic violence. There are places where children are being mistreated, where people don't have enough to eat, etc., etc., on and on and on. When we open ourselves to amazement, we open ourselves to the risk of our hearts breaking for someone who's going through it. Our rituals bring us to that point where we're able to see it because God works in the rituals we keep coming back we keep coming back we stop and we look and we begin to notice there's a story about a little fish who comes to an elder fish swimming can you help me why yes little fish i'm looking i'm looking for the ocean well you're swimming in it this is it This is just water. All I see is water. I want to see the ocean. The risk is we would be so caught up in the water, this holy water that's everywhere that we're swimming in, that we might forget to notice. It's the ocean. It's the ocean. When we think of ritual and we think of holy places, we often start thinking just about what we mentioned in our affirmation of faith today. And we think about coming to church and sharing the peace and baptizing someone and having confirmation and weddings and funerals and uh, all the things that are a part of the ritual of our life together in this space. And that's part of it. But there's more ritual and more routine Monday through Saturday in our daily lives and that's sacred too and God exists in that too because the light lives in us just as we share with our kiddos and we say when two or more gather the divine shows up because we see the light in each other it's a little brighter But we only see it We only see it if we're willing to pay attention, if we open ourselves to all of it. So as we approach a new year, even though our Christian New Year started at the beginning of Advent, I know on your calendar, a new year starts tomorrow. So you have now 12, 13 hours and 18 minutes left to accomplish your list of tasks for 2023. or to think about your rituals and your rhythms for 2024 and where in the rituals and rhythms might God show up and surprise us. My prayer for all of us is that we would be open to that.